Listening Dog Media. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Offside Rule, we get it. With Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Offside Rule podcast. Thank you very much for downloading us. This has got a bit of a deadline theme because, of course, transfer deadline day was on Monday. Someone heavily involved with that was Hayley McQueen, who joins us once more. Oh, I do. I'm absolutely <laughs> exhausted. Just getting over it. We've still got the hangover. In fact, that's one of the topics. And Kate Borsay joins us as well. I know that you've got a little nugget of information about the deadline day. Well, whilst we recover from deadline day and whilst we uh, think about the suitcases full of cash that were involved, more money than ever before spent in this transfer window, £630 million. Compare that to the highest spend last time back in 2008, £500 million. Let's also look at what's coming up. So topic two, we're going to talk Brits abroad, uh, the Gareth Bale transfer. (laughs) Yeah, not in that sense, not in the boozing sense. We're Brits and we know we are. You'd be a you'd be a great rogue. Um, I think the Gareth Bale transfer. We were all just relieved, weren't we, to see it finally done. So we're going to have a discussion of Brits that have gone abroad in the past, in the last ten years, and have made a good crack of it, and maybe more of an obscure pick as well, someone who we might have forgotten. Uh, also, we're going to talk about don't get ahead of yourself. I've got you both in the same room. I'm not sure whether this was a good idea because after the Liverpool Manchester United <laughs> <laughs> game, it means that Liverpool are top of the Premier League table Um, and we just want to have a word of warning don't get ahead of yourself just three games in we haven't said that Hayley and I are sat on opposite sides of the room currently glaring at each other staring each other out the contest carries on can't even look at her it just makes me feel (laughs) sick so we will also have Twitter topic of the week, which has a deadline day feel to it as well. It's all to do with Gareth Bale's wages. Faker others will have that. And what a week to have Rhiannon Jones do our La Liga roundup. Gareth Bale arriving in Madrid. She was there as part of Real Madrid TV. Got a great picture with him, by the way, which we'll try and grab from her if she doesn't mind. Uh, but she'll be rounding up all things Spanish. I think she was one of the first people on Twitter to actually announce that it was made official, you know. 
Oh, that's exciting. Well, I suppose when you work for the club channel, you get that information, don't you? And she, I mean, she is Welsh, so that's cool. We're going to have something in common. She can be like his girlfriend Emma's best friend ever in the world now. Because that's what I would do. How cute is his baby, by the way? The AVB. AVB. Little Alba. Oh, not, not, not Village Boas. That's not his baby. The female take on football. Well, let's go on with topic one. And we are talking hangover from deadline day. Uh, so it always amuses us. We love Jim White. The shots of him being filmed walking into the Sky Sports building always <laughs> amuse me. Um, the, his big day has come. Yeah. And the, the Harry Redknapp scenes where he's winding down his window being interviewed outside the training ground and always telling porky pies usually, putting us off the scent. Uh, there are certain things that we relate to deadline day. But what I wanted you to do is, as the clock was ticking down, lots of different tales were emerging. I want you to pick out your good transfer deal for a club, what you think was an absolute steal, a really good move, and then your deadline day flop from across any of the football league. Uh, I want to start this time with Hayley McQueen. Oh, thank you very much. What is happening in the world of football? Something is going to happen very soon. We're going to have to put some kind of cap on wages because it's just getting crazy. The net figure dwarfs the total gross spent in Italy's Serie A, La Liga, France's League One and Germany, which is just crazy, yeah. Right, my um, deadline day pick for business that I think is going to be brilliant for the individual and for the fans is Kaká, going back to AC Milan. Mm. Can you believe it? He's 31 years old, so he's knocking on a little bit, but still a good few years left in those legs. However, when he signed for Real Madrid, who'd have thought that a few years later he'd be going back to the club that he left on a free? He's gone back for free. There was hundreds of fans turned up at the airport as well to welcome back their hero, the man that they called Jesus. They absolutely love him. So I think that's really exciting for him. He had a very frustrating time in Madrid. He spent a lot of time on the sidelines, unfortunately through injury, not just through lack of form. But with this being a World Cup year, we're seeing things happen that we might not have seen in any other year. Young players going out on loans instead of maybe sitting on the bench at the big clubs hoping for the big bucks when they get their bonuses and maybe trying to break through. Everybody is desperate for minutes because minutes mean World Cup when it comes to next summer. So I think Kaká, who has been dropped by the national side as well for Brazil, is hoping to get back in there and thinks there's only one way I can go about this, going back to the club that he knows well, where he's had so much success in the past, to try and get that back. So he's still got the skill. He is just one of the most exciting, creative midfield players I think we've ever seen. Would have loved him to have come to the Premier League and maybe joining up at Everton or Kaká at Manchester United. Maybe at Liverpool for you, Kate. But I think it's really cool that he's going back to AC Milan. I think that's definitely one to watch for this season coming up. The offside rule. We get it. So my transfer deadline flop is a man who links very nicely into Kaká because he also plays for Brazil. He also has links with Real Madrid and AC Milan, but he did come and play in the Premier League. And it was Robinho who joined Manchester City for an absolutely whopping sum back in the day. £32.5 million they paid for this player, who was, I think it's fair to say, a bit of a flop. Would I be unfair in saying that, do you think, Kate? I'd say flippity flop, flop, flop. (laughs) He was regarded as the next Pele. Do you remember that? He was talked up as this Pele-type player. It was a very exciting time when he came to Manchester City and under Mancini, we were expecting great things of him Mm -hmm. as well, but absolutely nothing happened to him. Had a very disappointing start to his career at Real Madrid. Came to Manchester City, I think, for overflated wages. 
overpaid, too much money for him. But they were thinking maybe they could get from him what he had before he went to Real Madrid. And he would recreate that with the pace of the Premier League. And he would just be this wonder kid. But no, they had to send him out on loan to Santos. And he went... He went to AC Milan after that, so good luck to him. I'm sure he'll be absolutely fine, but that was just one of those players where you get so excited for these big-name players, a Brazilian coming to the Premier League, because we don't get many Brazilian players coming. We did back in the 90s at Middlesbrough, but not anymore. We don't see those sort of great days with those wonderful fancy footwork skills from all these wonderful players, but unfortunately, just for some reason, these big names just, just don't cut it. So, Kate Borsay, what caught your eye in terms of good deals first, and then we'll have your flop. Okay, okay. Well, of course, I could bang on about Masoud Ertzil, but we've already spoken about him. I, ba- I waxed lyrical about him last week, and might I say I was quite correct about yes. my prediction to Arsenal, wasn't I? Um, if I'm to go quickly and mention a club who were the deadline day winner, I think we'd all agree Everton did fantastically well right at the last minute. And those most of those deals coming in after six o'clock: Lukaku, Aruna Kone, Gareth Barry heading there, James James McCarthy heading there as well. If I'm to pick a player now, I. I am going to go a bit biased here, but I am interested in this player. And I think he kind of got caught up in in the mix of deadline day in that if he'd have signed for Liverpool two weeks ago, we probably would have had time to take in what his achievements are and what his potential is. But he sort of got swept up in the melee of deadline day and the... Uh, you know, shouting from Jim White, you know, breaking news. Um, as a club, Liverpool have a rich history in buying defenders well and actually keeping those defenders for a long time as well. You've got to look at the likes of Sammy Hoopier, Daniel Agger, Martin Skirtle still there now and, you know, and, and have put in a fair few years at good service. Glenn Johnson able to reach his potential, still in England, regular, uh, still at the club. Colo Torre in this window being a great example of them buying well. They bought another defender to add into the mix and for the first time at Liverpool, we're now seeing... Uh, a certain amount of competition for places, which we've not had for what must be years and years. Uh, Mamadou Sacco uh, has come from PSG. I think he is a victim, perhaps, of the financial fair play and PSG trying to offload uh, a bit of their wage bill. He's got the potential to be as good as any defender, really, applying their trade in the Premier League. Um, played 34 times for Paris Saint-Germain last season, but just surplus to requirements there. Physically imposing, very gifted defender, very, very clever on the ball. He can play at left-back, he can play in the centre as well. Um, really good addition to their defence. Um, and the Liverpool defence, of course, so far in the league, are yet to concede a goal. So he's going to be uh, adding into that. And I can I can only feel it's a really exciting signing for them. He's 23, 15 million quid, as I said. Um, and um, uh, plays for France on an international level. So, yeah, ideally suited to the physicality of the England game. He's my hit. My deadline day flop. Now, I read this on the requirements for today's podcast, Lindsay Hooper, and I thought, poor loves. They've not finished drinking the champagne from the bottle that's been popped in celebration of these moves on deadline day, and we're already saying that they're going to be a flop. I thought, I can't play this game. These these poor players have, have got these wonderful moves, and we've already written them off. So... I haven't stuck to deadline day, just a couple to throw in. And I'm going to get knocked for this, but I don't care. Willian, I just think it's destined to go wrong. He's supposed to go to Spurs, went to Chelsea. And I know this isn't a deadline day move, but just a couple to pick out from from the window. I don't know why I think this. I just think he's been too much trouble so far. And I just I just have a feeling that it's not going to go right for him. Um, and let's also contemplate the fact that Fulham have managed to create the laziest front line in the whole of the <laughs> Premier League with Berbatov uh, there already and Adel Tarapt heading there and, and Darren Bent heading there as well. So don't expect much pace up front from Fulham after this transfer window.
Thank you very much. Well, you've already touched on my hit, Kate, because you mentioned Everton and one of the most exciting strikers, I think, in the Premier League and potential to come in the next five years for me is Romelu Lukaku. And I think it's quite telling as well that Chelsea have only let him out on loan. I think this is something that Mourinho is going to watch how he does for a season and then he'll be part of the plans going forward. I feel desperately sorry for him because he misses a penalty at the Super Cup final and the next thing he's being transferred out on loan again. And I really think he thought... He was going to get a full season's play under Mourinho. Mourinho had said as well, didn't he? We're not going to be loaning Lukaku or any of our players out to any major title (laughs) contenders. Poor Everton. Poor Martinez. But I I think that he'll flourish at Everton, actually. And I think that's the sort of side. And with the other signings that they've bought in, the likes of McCarthy and people that are going to really feed him some some great passes, um, I think that he'll get a good goal tally. And by the end of the season... The loan probably will go back the way where he, he goes back to Stamford Bridge. I'm hoping that's the case because I think he's one of the real bright rising stars of the Premier League. He was the PFA Young Player of the Year, wasn't he? And he's still not wanted by Chelsea. But it feels like it's a bit Daniel Sturridge all over again. You know, they let Sturridge go. Look at how Sturridge is doing for you at Liverpool. I always thought Sturridge had this flair and really a brilliant player. I mean, I rate Sturridge much more than I rate Danny Welbeck, I have to say. And I saw him go and it it made me think, oh, there's a couple of moves that with Chelsea, I'm just thinking, you've perhaps got it wrong. The offside rule. We get it. My deadline day flop, Joe Kinnear at Newcastle. I think that's all I need to say. I mean, Newcastle fans are going crazy. I had lots of people on Twitter and everyone, all Newcastle fans were coming out the woodwork saying, what on earth have we done? Closely followed by Manchester United fans, Hayley, I have to say, being quite disappointed with deadline day. But... For me, Newcastle, they needed some depth in squad. They needed some backup options. And I think Pardew needs to mix things up and, and they needed challenge for places because I think that's what is needed in, in terms for to get them working again. I don't know what happened there because Joe Kinnear went on to TalkSport n- near near the beginning of the window and just you know made some assurances about kind of signings and, and stuff like that. So either he's not been given the cash or he was lying or something went drastically wrong in the last few days of the window. But also, that's his role. That's Joe Kinnear's role. What on earth is he doing for his money? I mean, if it's like us turning up to record the podcast and Hayley not speaking for the entire 30 minutes. That would probably be a good thing sometimes, <laughs> wouldn't it? But on that theme, I, mean, I picked Rubinho from the past as, as opposed to picking someone from this deadline day, just simply because, I, like Kate said, I didn't want to single somebody out and say they were going to be a flop. A, because I'd probably be eating my words, and B, I don't think it's very fair to do that just yet. So I just picked out someone from the past for a bit of fun. But my point was actually going to be that the club's have made some terrible decisions. Like, as a whole, Manchester United, the way that this has been dealt with has just been so un-Manchester United-like. When I was watching sports news, when I, when I wasn't on it, uh, and when they, had, when they had the stories with, uh, with the, the lawyers turning up to sign under Herrera, and it just all got very confusing. Yeah, maybe and, imposters, yeah, and maybe not put bids in for Fabregas, that never happened. Herrera's isn't going to happen, but it might do in January. Baines hasn't come, but Fellaini has. Mesut Ozil, they could have had him. So just hasn't worked for them. It's been a real, real shame. I think Arsenal could have strengthened more as well. Yes, they have Ozil, but they needed... striker? They haven't strengthened enough, and I don't think the fans will still be happy. They have Ozil, but that one player and... um, um, Viviano. Yeah, Yeah. you just think... After my pleas last week, he did sign a goalkeeper, Viviano, who to me sounds like some sort of uh, shampoo for slightly thinning hair or something. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, at least he's got someone in that position. The female take on football. 
Let's go for topic two then. Brits abroad, following on from the Gareth Bale transfer move. Thank goodness it eventually happened. It was all confirmed over the weekend. And on Monday, he was unveiled as a Real Madrid player. And it has got us thinking about other British footballing exports. So here is your task, ladies. Two of them. Who do you think has been the best British export of the last 10 years and why? Uh, and then give us your obscure pick, a British player who's played abroad that we might otherwise have forgotten about. Uh, I'm going to go this time to my right. Kate Borsay, still at quite a distance from Hayley McQueen. <laughs> still at opposite ends of the very large room that we're sat in. Not, it's a tiny room, by the way, folks. OK, so this guy was still at Real Madrid in 2003, which is why he just about falls into the 10-year bracket. Steve McManamo. I'm going a bit Liverpool-heavy, but when you look at what he did and significantly the story of his four years at Real Madrid, it is an interesting one. Uh, went to the club in 1999... Um, one, one of the first big players actually to take advantage of the Bosman ruling because he went on a free there. Went on to win two Champions League titles as well as two league titles as well. Went down in Spanish folklore uh, for taking Real Madrid 2-0 up in the Champions League final of 2000 against Valencia when he scored this stunning volley. And at that point in the game, it could have gone either way. And it was what I respect most for him. And we've talked a lot this transfer window about club versus player and player versus club and player power. He used his player power, but he used it in a way that... Um, um, after Fiorentino Perez took over the pres presidency at Real Madrid, one season into Steve McManaman being there, he basically told Maka that he wanted him out, that they didn't want him anymore. They were in huge amounts of debt and he wanted to offload various Real Madrid players. Maka was one of those players. He said to him, I'm not going. <laughs> He looked literally like that, he said. Like a high-pitched nine-year-old girl. <laughs> Just like Colleen Rooney, yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, so he went, oh, my Maggie May, I'm not going anywhere, Fiorentino, I'm going to stay here and fight my contract out. That's what he did. And he did, bless him. And Florentino went, calm down, calm down. <laughs> Florentino went, I don't know, I, 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 what, what, what? I cannot hear you. Uh, so he was Italian, obviously. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe from Wales, who knows? Uh, so, yeah, so he basically fought fought for his place. He said he wasn't going to go anywhere, and I respect him so much for this. He did win the manager around. He won Perez around as well the following season and um, was a huge part of Real Madrid's success. You've only got to look at what they've done. His, his kind of game time did get less and less as the years went on, but maximum respect for him. To, you know, he basically wanted to prove himself abroad. Do you want the obscure pick now? Yes, and I don't want any more Liverpool, Liverpoolian accents. That's that's enough for one podcast. Well, this time it's uh, it's the turn of Hayley McQueen as I head to the northeast and look at a northeast export. Now, this is someone who we've heard of because of what they've done abroad rather than what they've done on home soil. I'm going to look at the Canada Ladies manager, at John Herdman. Yeah. Uh, he worked his way up uh, through the coaching ranks at New Zealand. He went over there um, and took, took charge uh, eventually of the women's team there in 2006, led them to two World Cup campaigns, led them to the 2008 Olympics as well, became Canada coach in 2011, um, helped them to win the Pan American Games title. They got bronze, of course, at London 2012 as well. Um, countries set to host the 2015 World Cup and they invested in him and they believe in him and they want him to take the team through uh, to that World Cup. So, yeah, a chap who didn't really do much over here at all but has made a name for himself abroad and could well, who knows, head back here at some stage, particularly with the uh, England ladies' manager position currently vacant.
Uh, your Brits abroad, Hayley McQueen. Just actually want to give a little nod to the female Brits who are currently working abroad, doing very well for themselves Laura at the moment. Harvey. Laura Harvey. We Seattle have Sounders. the Seattle Sounders, but broadcasters. Oh, Kay, oh yes. Kay Murray over yeah. there doing her thing at BN Sports, yeah. doing very well indeed. Formerly of Real Madrid TV and yeah. Borough TV with me, a tea cider. And Georgie Thompson working out there for Fox at the moment, which is very exciting with one of the biggest legends in broadcasting history. Rebecca Lowe. And Rebecca Lowe. So there we have it. Can I also throw in Jess Fishlock, yes, player? Um, and she's back in Scotland at the moment, whilst it's on the off season in America, but she's over in the States playing. So there we have it. Shout out to the girls. Speaking of gorgeous, lovely things who've succeeded abroad, David Beckham. <laughs> oh, no, not again. <laughs> Commercially. 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 For a very long time, he was the best footballer in the world, but he's gone on to play for some of the best football clubs in the world without necessarily being one of the best players and achieved more than anybody else has ever achieved across so many different leagues at the very, very top level. Won six Premier League titles with Manchester United. Um, Lifted the La Liga trophy. Took him four seasons, though, in Spain. Wasn't quite the best time of his career there, but still love seeing him in that white shirt uh, doing his thing in the Bernabeu. Um, He then moved to LA Galaxy, won the MLS Cup twice and had two spells at AC Milan as well as finishing his career off at Paris Saint-Germain, winning the Ligue 1 title. So just a great advert for somebody who can go and play in lots of different leagues. Remember as well, we can't forget about the fact that he is a wonderfully talented footballer. So am I right in saying that we're pretty much agreed in terms of the last 10 years and the biggest successful yeah. export then David Beckham I think for the global appeal yes. the commercial value the attention that he's brought to the game around the world yeah. and for being a bit of a globe trotter with it hasn't he mm-hmm. I mean he's gone to more than one club that we'd say that he wins that really yeah, but I kind of think it's a bit more interesting to talk about other people because we all know about Bex. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, as much as I love him, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised by the revelation that we think he's the most, the most <laughs> successful foreign export. We like to state the obvious here, but if we don't state the obvious, you'll be like, why haven't you gone for yeah, David Beckham? Yeah. So I felt yeah. like I had to just get that in. Well, which brings <laughs> us on to your obscure pick. Uh, not so much obscure, but unheard of at the moment, but I think we will be hearing from him very soon. He is an England international. Well, under 18, under 19, 20 and 21. He's 19-year-old Eric Dier. Eric Jeremy Edgar Dier. He's English. He's currently playing for Sporting at the moment. He was born in Cheltenham. He moved there when he was just 10 years old. His mother was offered a job working in Portugal during the 2004 European Championships. We had a bit of a topic, didn't we, in a couple of podcasts back, Pedigree Chum. My goodness, this boy would qualify for this, the He comes from wonderful pedigree, sporting, footballing, everything. His ability was um, spotted actually by a PE teacher who said, you need to come and watch him. So she got in touch with the sporting coaches. They came down, checked him out, and lo and behold, they took him on. So this young English boy just going out there, following his mum, was looking to come back to England, but they decided to stay out there, live out there, because they felt that actually he could progress as a footballer with the club who really believed in him. So he's the grandson of Ted Crocker, who was a former secretary of the Football Association and president of Cheltenham Town. He is the nephew of Peter Crocker, who played for Charlton Athletic. There you go. So he does come from great pedigree and his dad is a former professional tennis player, Jeremy Deere. So there you go. He actually signed professional terms uh, with them in uh, April 2010 and has been looked at by Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham. Lots of the English clubs have been very interested in him, but he's just stayed there quietly uh, going about his business. Um, 
He agreed to join Everton on a bit of a loan spell um, and the club said that it was an opportunity for the athlete to grow in a more competitive and demanding environment. So he came out to Everton on loan. He's a centre-back, defensive midfielder as well. He's six foot two, again, yeah. just 19 years old. So you want to keep a lookout for the yeah. under-21s and how he's going to be growing there because I think he's definitely a name to watch in the future. And like an Owen Hargreaves, yes, he came to the Premier League late in his career and could have done amazing things had it not have been for tendonitis and other problems that he had injury-wise. But this is a young player who's gone about his business very quietly, away from the spotlight, away from the kind of bubble of the academies where you're tra- very differently to the other kids your age. He's had quite a normal upbringing and he's going to bring something very different, a different style of play from playing with the Portuguese players out there. And I think he's going to be one of these um, which should be one to watch now, but one to watch for the future. OK, well, my turn. Um, we stated the obvious with David Beckham. I think we put that out there. Um, if I exceed the 10-year bracket, then I just very quickly want to mention oh. Paul Lambert. The Aston Villa manager um, played for Borussia Dortmund. Uh, he joined there from Motherwell, and he was one of the key players who helped Borussia Dortmund to the Champions League title, their only Champions League title in 1997. No okay. And he had an assist in that game for the opening goal, so in the Champions League final. So I wanted to mention him. Him, but I know that I'm getting some tuts and looks and rolling of eyes from oh, Kate Borsay. Um, another one that exceeds... The- <laughs> Another one. Well, I just want to mention this. Lee Hendry moved to Indonesia. <laughs> he played for England, so he'd actually got some caps under his belt. Of course, a, a big player for Aston Villa, but made over 250 Premier League appearances and then went off the radar and then signed a deal to play for Badung FC in the Liga Premier in Indonesia. Why is that a successful foreign export? This is my obscure. This oh, this sorry. doesn't have to be successful. My, my success was Paul Lambert and David oh, Beckham. Right. And now we're on to my obscure, just right. to go on. Um, in fact, I'm going to go for a real humdinger of a failure in Jonathan Woodgate, who was oh. voted by Spanish press as the worst foreign export ever and the worst signing of the 21st century. <laughs> my other one isn't for a playing factor. This is for the obscure factor, and it's Gavin Peacock. Now, Gavin Peacock started his career very young at QPR, and then he joined Gillingham, which was managed by his father at the time. This is in the end of the 1980s. He impressed and then went on to play at the Premier League level. Those of you might remember him at Newcastle and Chelsea, and he helped with Chelsea to win the FA Cup in 1994. What you might not be so aware of, and this falls within the 10-year bracket, by the way, Kate, is in 2008, he moved abroad, not as a player, But in a very unusual story, um, he moved to Alberta in Canada to begin a new life as a Christian minister. He's now, he's a pastor at the Calvary Grace Church in Canada and has had a solid media career. He's also been on Songs of Praise. Can I just say, pastor, he's a pastor. A pastor is a form of, a pastor is a form of Italian food. It's my Midlands origins, I'm afraid. The female take on football. So I think this is a good point to bring in Twitter topic of the week this week. We must say a big thank you as well to Harriet Drudge, who took over our pod account on Twitter and did about 200 tweets on transfer deadline day. Transfer tweets, yeah. Drudgy was an absolute legend uh, and kept everyone abreast of the rumours, what was going on and what wasn't going on. So, yeah, she was, uh, she definitely had transfer day-itis at the the end. Well, a big thank you to her. And next transfer deadline day, you know to follow at Offside Rule pod on Twitter and we'll keep you updated. Uh, What we did do, though, was take the Gareth Bale transfer 
And we broke it down into his earnings. So he's on, and it's quite well well documented, he's on £300,000 per week. I, I can't say that without feeling a little bit ill. Um, which means that it's £1.2 million per month. And I just thought about lower leagues and what that would mean to lower league clubs, even championship clubs, League One, League Two. So what we've done is we've asked whether if you've got £1.2 million for your club, how you would spend it. And Faye Carruthers is going to round up all of your tweets from this week. Twitter topic of the week. Thanks very much, ladies. Well, £1.2 million a month. I know exactly what I'd do with that. Las Vegas girls, fancy it? New York? Very selfish of me. Uh, you've been tweeting us at Offside Rule Pod all week. Much less selfish. At John Taylor 62 says it would save Kettering Town for a while. It would. Uh, Donald McCrory agrees as well. He also says save Kettering Town. They folded over a debt of £58,000. That's only a day and a half's wages. Uh, lots of you are going down the grassroots route. Uh, Mark Costigan says personally, I'd pay for drainage, toilets, and changing facilities at our local football field. It would cost just £30,000, which isn't even Gareth Bale's tax. Very good point, Mark. And also Karen from London Phoenix Ladies, which is where Kate Borsay trains, uh, says that money would mean her club would continue forever and keep so many involved and happy. Thanks for all of your tweets. I'll be back next week with a new topic. Keep an eye out on Twitter and get involved and hopefully I'll read it out for you next week. Twitter topic of the week. Thank you very much, Faye, which means we can now move on to topic three. And this is where I really have to separate you both a little bit further. Um, this is a very small room, but can, can we just get a bit more distance, girls? Um, don't get ahead of yourself. Liverpool, <coughs> top of the Premier League with three wins from three. And they beat rivals Manchester United. Hayley is just shaking her head. Um, but with the season only three games old, we don't think anybody should get too carried away. So with that as a word of caution, I'd like an example in football, and you can go with this, where a club, a chairman, a manager, a player, fans, whoever, they've got carried away, they've got ahead of themselves. And if you want to throw in a personal footballing tale, then you can feel free to do that as well. So on topic three, I always like a show of hands. Who would like to go first? Kate, finger in the air. It's like, me, 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 isn't it? Pick me. Arsenal, they were trailing 4-0 in the Capital One Cup last season, but fought it back to 4-2 with 89 minutes on the clock. Then they levelled it 4-all by the time full-time came around. And Olivier Giroud and Francis Coquelin decided that they'd that they'd won the game. Maybe they were thinking about away goals. Maybe they were thinking that there was going to be a replay because it ended up 4-all. Uh, so in celebration, they decided to throw their shirts into the crowd. Don't get ahead of yourself, boys. You've still got 30 minutes of extra time to play. So they rather sheepishly had to ask for them back. <laughs> I love that story. Another quick one for you as well, Blackburn. One of my favourite teams to talk about. Back in July, two years ago, so July 2011, Rovers had finished 15th in the Premier League the season before, uh, avoiding the drop by just four points. But what did Steve Keane insist may happen within a couple of seasons at Blackburn? They were going to challenge for a European place, weren't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Don't get ahead of yourself, Blackburn. Because of the finances made available to him by new owners, Venkis, they were going to be in Europe within a couple of years. And this was on the back of Venkis deciding to make public the fact that they were going to sign Ronaldinho to add to their stock at Ewood Park. Don't get ahead of yourself, Blackburn. Well, it's not that exciting, actually, but it's just something, the first thing that sprung to mind, because when I remember hearing this interview, I thought it was very funny indeed. Grant Holt decides to make the move from Norwich because he wants to play European football. (laughs) Guess what? He wasn't really ahead of himself. He decides to go and sign for Wigan because he wants to play European football. (laughs) And he stated that, saying the Europa League was a massive pull for me. It's something I've never done in my career and I'm hoping we have a good spell in that. So sitting down thinking, you know, he's... He's never going to sign for Manchester United or Chelsea or Manchester City. He's just getting ahead of himself. But actually, he's going to go and have a few little trips out, isn't he, with Wigan to Belgium, Slovenia and Russia. So let's just hope he enjoys that because Wigan have got in the Europa League a nice little group of Ruben Kazan, Zulte Veragem and Maribor. OK, well, don't get ahead of yourself for me. It's also sort of don't get too cocky. I was showing this video to Hayley McQueen outside. It is great view, so I'll make sure that we get the link up. Um, I read something quite frequently, actually, called the Bleacher Report, which any football fan yeah. should go and have a read of. It's brilliant. Found this video, and it's a goalkeeper who makes a penalty save in a game. So he makes the save, gets to his feet beats his chest in a yes I'm the man but doesn't realise that behind him the ball has ricocheted and got backspin and gone into the back of the net. He's got to be an Eastern European was he because no one else stands up and bats their chest do they? <laughs> now what they do is they do this slow-mo replay and myself and Haley, because the first bit that you watch on the video you can't actually see what's happened but on the replay it is so funny isn't it? And the penalty taker as well he's just his head drops he's seen it saved he looks really disappointed and then as the keeper's turned his back and doesn't know what's happening the strikers look forward and presuming he's probably their number 10 and he is um, sort of realising that the ball has gone over the line and he's just jumping up in wild celebration with the goalkeeper turning around thinking what the hell what's going on he's just so confused (laughs) that is uh, don't get ahead of yourself if you've got any musings on that as well do tweet us at offside rule pod we'll also be putting up pictures and lots of updates on our brand new website how long can we say it's brand new for a bit longer oh yeah um, offsiderulepodcast.com go there uh, we're also on iTunes and Audio Boo every Thursday to download and we have a Facebook page so give us a like now before we go it's been such a busy week for this lady Rhiannon Jones uh, works for Real Madrid TV and of course there's been a bit of a an £85 million move going on <laughs> um, so Gareth Bale was unveiled on Monday and he is part of her La Liga roundup the female take on football Hola chicas, well seeing as I'm Welsh and I'm a Madridista there's only really one place for me to start this week and that's with the signing of Gareth Bale as a Real Madrid player. The Welsh international was presented at the Bernabeu in front of 20,000 fans on Monday where he told Madridistas it was a dream come true and even impressed with a few words in Spanish. I caught up with Gareth just ahead of interviewing him and asked him how he felt. He replied overwhelmed but delighted. And despite hearing how timid he is, he's already picking up the Spanish customs, choosing to kiss me on both cheeks instead of a handshake, which is very Spanish indeed. 
It's yet to be seen where Ancelotti will fit him into his talented side, but it's certainly some team he's got there now. While some will be disappointed to have seen Mesut Ozil leave, let's not forget the other promising signings, young Spanish stars Asier Iarramendi, Dani Carvajal and Isco, who's already a Bernabeu favourite, having scored three goals so far this campaign. The other big signing of the summer, of course, is Neymar, who joined Barcelona from Brazilian side Santos. And despite doubts about how Lionel Messi and Neymar might function together, if last weekend's performance is anything to go by, not too badly. Messi scored a hat-trick playing alongside his new teammate, who displayed a perhaps surprisingly unselfish performance. Admittedly, there has been a mass exodus of talent here in Spain this summer, but there are still plenty of exciting players to watch in La Liga this campaign. And let's not forget, it's because of the departure of so many big names that La Liga can consider itself one of the winners of a transfer-packed summer. It's the only league of the Big Five to record a significant profit. And that's with the addition of two of the world's top footballers. That's it, girls. Until next time, adios. The female take on football. Thank you very much, Rhiannon. Now, she got us Mourinho last season. I wonder whether she'll get us Gareth Bale at any point this season. She needs to use those Welsh connections. <laughs> Thank you very much, girls. Enjoyed? Boy, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for another week, and we'll see you next week. Download us every Thursday. Bye for now. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay.